welcome to the Bankster Podcast. I'm your host, Alexander Badgett, and this is episode number 16, The Punch Bowl. Every episode, we dive into the intricate world of central banking. I use one or two pieces of news from the Federal Reserve or monetary policy from around the world to summarize, to translate, and to explain a few points from the central verse. The central verse, of course, being the deep, the fascinating, the ever-changing, and the incredibly consequential world of central bankers and the economies they attempt to support. The seasons are changing here in the Midwest of the United States, where I live and work. The wind is getting colder, and although we still have beautiful days, uh, they are fewer and farther between. Uh, But one thing that really brightens up my spirits when it's cold outside is a nice warm mug of cider. Growing up, my grandmother called her special recipe wassail. I'm a few thousand miles away from my grandma these days, unfortunately, but last week, My work began serving hot cider at lunchtime and at all the big meetings. It's not my grandma's, but it's still pretty good. As I was sipping my, probably my ninth mug of cider this past week, I was reminded of a classic Centralverse phrase that has come up a few times recently in the news cycle. That is, if you've been able to see past the political mayhem that seems to be filling the airways for the past, well, I was going to say months, but the past year and a half. Um, The phrase is, The punch bowl. It's a metaphor that dates back more than 60 years concerning the job of a central bank. So in the spirit of the fall season, I'm going to focus this episode on what punch has to do with central banks and businesses all around the world. As usual, I'll start off by explaining what the phrase means and why it's used, and then I'll follow up with the history behind where it came from. So if you're close to your grandma's house, get yourself some wassail and enjoy the episode. You're going to be hearing this phrase a lot in the next coming months. If you were to ask most economic professors, or business journalists, or even central bankers themselves what the goal of the Federal Reserve is, their answer would almost certainly include some reference to the dual mandate. As we've discussed in past episodes, the official goals known as the dual mandate, of the Federal Reserve, as set out in the law that created the central bank, include maximizing employment, number one, and keeping inflation at a healthy, low, positive level. There are a lot of different ways to measure these goals, and we've mentioned them in earlier episodes, and we'll explore different facets of them in future episodes. However, although this might be the answer most in the industry would give, I would argue that there's actually a higher goal that came first, and that is to keep the overall economy healthy and to mitigate the damage done by natural economic downturns. Or another interpretation of this higher level goal might be to spur on the economy when it is doing poorly and then slow down the economy when it is overheating. It's from this second interpretation that the metaphor of the punch bowl is used. So imagine the scene. You're asked to host a party for a group of economists. Sounds like the making of one exciting party, am I right? Okay, well, probably not. So the party gets going, and it's a bit slow, it's a bit boring. So, as the host, what do you do to liven up the party? Well, you put out a spiked punch bowl and hope these economists loosen up and enjoy the party. So, as time goes by, the economists indulge in the punch, and the party starts to get a little too exciting. You, as the host, may decide... Okay, that's enough encouragement. 
Time for me to take away the punch bowl. Then, as the effects of the contents of the punch bowl begin to wear out, the party may calm down slightly. You can imagine using this punch bowl, hoping to keep the party fun without letting it get out of control. So, that's the punch bowl metaphor. Uh, But how does it apply to the high-level goal of central banking? Well, let's start by breaking down the pieces of the metaphor. The party represents the economy. And all of the people, what I call the economists, so all of the people attending the party are participants in this economy. And that means businesses, governments, it means banks, and even individuals like you and I. And like at any party, there are some people with more popularity and have more influence on what happens at the party. The host of the party is the central bank. And finally, the punch bowl is the money supply. The central bank can increase the amount of money in the system to encourage the economy to grow faster, or they can take away from this money from the system to slow the economy down. The danger of an economy that is getting overheated is inflation, and the danger of an economy that is slowing down is more unemployment. Both of these situations are bad, just like a boring party is bad, but so is a party that is out of control and causing damage. So... Now let's bring this metaphor into the real world. You can imagine that that U.S. housing market was the coolest kid at the economy party of 2003, 4, 5, 6, and even 2007. The Federal Reserve began to slowly remove the punch bowl of low interest rates as the party got more and more exciting. In this example, many have actually argued that this punch bowl of low interest rates had been left out far too long in the party. But... That's an argument for another episode. If you can remember, in 2007 and early 2008, the economy, it just about died. Seeing that the party was dying, the Federal Reserve lowered interest rates, increasing the amount of money in the system and hoping to get the economy moving again. Uh, When that didn't appear to be enough to get the economy back on its feet, the Federal Reserve turned to all sorts of other measures, including quantitative easing, buying long-term bonds, saving large insurance institutions and investment banks from failing, among other things. In the metaphor, it's like they not only brought back the punch bowl, refilled to the brim, but they also brought a piñata, a clown, and a bouncy castle. But unfortunately... If, as we remember, and as we're still living today, the economy, well, it was slow in recovering. It took many more years than expected to get back to pre-recession levels of employment and growth. Uh, To this day, many of the extreme measures taken by the Federal Reserve have been removed from the system. Uh, Quantitative easing has ended. Uh, The Fed no longer expands the quantity of long-term bonds it's it's holding. Uh, However, the very low interest rates remain. In the metaphor, this is like saying the clown has gone home and the blow-up castle is put away, but the punch bowl is still being refilled to the rim. Over the next few weeks and months, there's going to be a lot of talk of, quote, taking away the punch bowl. And now you will know that those arguing for a removal of the punch bowl, what they're actually saying is they're suggesting that the Federal Reserve should lighten their stimulus of the economy and increase interest rates. Listen for the phrase in the news, and then write in and let me know when you hear it. Okay, now it's time to wind the clocks back and learn about the origins of this impressive and enduring metaphor. 
William Martin was the ninth chairman of the Federal Reserve System. He served as chairman from 1951 to 1970, almost 20 years, which is longer than any other person before him and since. Uh, he came into the position at an exceptionally important time period for the central bank. And now, if you remember, in Episode 7, Independence Part 1, I told the incredible story of the Treasury Fed Accord. That's the one that I felt like should be made into a movie. Although the idea of an independent central bank was important to the founders of the Federal Reserve, in practice, for the first 40 years or so of its history, the President of the United States had a heavy influence on the decisions of the Federal Reserve's policy-setting committee. Martin's immediate predecessors, Mariner Eccles and Thomas McCabe, had fought a long and hard battle to secure the central bank's independence. And Martin, well, he had been an active participant on the other side, in President Truman's Treasury Department. So, when the president, still frustrated at how the that accord ended, had an opportunity to appoint the next Fed chair at the end of McCabe's term, he selected Martin, hoping that Martin would give back significant tr- control of the central bank to the White House. But in this case, the president was sorely disappointed. Martin held strong to the importance of the central bank's independence. So, there's more to the story. If you're interested in learning more about this amazing story, go back to episode 7 and listen to how the Fed finally secured true independence from the government. But this sets the stage for who William Martin is and some background on his entry into the important decision at the Federal Reserve. Over the next 20 years, he would play a pivotal role in many important decisions. And But today, the focus is on one comment he made at the conclusion of one speech. Now on to the actual origins of the punch bowl. As you've learned throughout the podcast, speeches by leaders of the central verse are some of the most important policy tools a central bank has. Some speeches stand out as especially memorable and leave their mark on the current economy and leave a lasting impression on the central verse in general. William Martin delivered one such speech nearly 61 years ago to the day. It was October 19, 1955, in the Regal Waldorf Astoria Hotel, Chairman Martin gave a speech to the New York Group of the Investment Bankers Association of America. He began his speech by describing a hopeful vision for the new post-Great Depression, post-World Wars America. He continued, quote, It seems rather striking that one of the ideas now firmly embedded in our articles of material faith, the concept of government responsibility for moderating economic gyrations, is almost entirely a product of our own 20th century, close quote. So he's saying here that somehow, in the first half of the 1900s, the idea that the government should take a more active role in preventing economic collapses was born and grew quickly to the point where it was widely accepted. He explains it this way, quote, This concept, which is steadily being brought into sharper focus, has evolved from general reaction to a succession of material crises heavy in human hardship. It grew from mass desperation and demand for protection from economic disasters beyond individual control. 
He continues, The Federal Reserve System, which I have the honor to represent, was our earliest institutional response to such a demand. It emerged out of the urgent need to prevent recurrences of such disasters as the Money Panic of 1907, and out of the thought that the government had a definite responsibility to prevent financial crises and should utilize all its powers to do so. Accordingly, 42 years ago, Congress entrusted to the Federal Reserve System responsibility for managing the money supply. Close quote. For most of the rest of the speech, Martin speaks to the impact of the business cycle on those that live it and those whose job it is to watch over it. He raises that never truly answerable question, how much government intervention is the right amount to keep the economy in check and to keep it running, yet without hindering its natural growth? He muses over this and other questions for a few pages and then ends his speech with the ever more famous quote about the role of the central bank in this economy. And here it is, the one you've been waiting for. Quote, the Federal Reserve, as one writer put it, after the recent increase in the discount rate, is in the position of the chaperone who has ordered the punch bowl removed just when the party was warming up. Close quote. This quote and the underlying metaphor have been used for decades and decades and remains as one of the most important in all of central banking history. Now, next time somebody asks you about the Federal Reserve or the central bank of your country, try using this metaphor as an example. It has its flaws, as all metaphors do, but I think you'll find it holds pretty strong at an introductory level. So, to review, the party is the economy. The host of the party is the central bank. The people at the party are businesses, banks, and consumers like you and me. And the punch bowl is the money supply. When the economy needs a boost, the central bank brings out the punch bowl, and that helps get the party going. Or in other words, they increase the money supply, which gets the economy moving again. When the economy gets too exciting, and inflation is in danger of overrunning, well, the central bank can increase interest rates and, and I quote, remove the punch bowl. As always, send in your comments and questions about the Central Verse or the Bankster Podcast in general via email, alexander at thebanksterpodcast.com. You can also find me on Twitter and Facebook. And don't forget to leave a review of the podcast in the app that you're using right now. Literally. Don't even finish the last 30 seconds. Pause it and leave a review. It will only take a few minutes, and it genuinely helps others to find the show. If you go to my website, www.thebanksterpodcast.com, you can sign up to receive the show notes to today's podcast and every future podcast so that you receive it directly in your inbox every two weeks. It's a great way to follow up on the content that we discuss and to look deeper into the central verse. Today's episode was written, edited, and produced by me, Alexander Badgett. I dedicate this episode to the chairman, William Martin, for holding strong to independence and for giving us the great punch bowl metaphor. And to everybody else, well, thanks for listening. I'm Alexander Badgett, and I'll see you next time on The Bankster Podcast. <laughs>